Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. So as we've been talking about, uh, today we're continuing our February sermon series here at Connect. Now we're taking the four Sundays of this month to walk through the book of 1 John together and to see how God answers the question, what is love? Last week we saw in chapters 1 and 2 that love is light, now that the love of God illuminates everything around us so that we can see others and ourselves as he does. And then we, we looked at how we are called to be the light of the world, to shine the, the love of Jesus and the love that is Jesus everywhere we go. Today we're turning the page to the first part of chapter 3 where John teaches us that love is flesh and blood. Now, this means a few different things, and, uh, and those, those kind of three things we're going to be looking at are in your sermon notes uh, in your service folder. So I'd encourage you to get that out, not only fill in the blanks, but maybe jot down a few thoughts or, or scriptures that, that come to mind here. We're going to jump right in and uh, look at the first verse of our reading, kind of our theme verse for today, where John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. So we are. John says that we are God's children, which means that we are his family, his flesh and blood, all because of God's love for us. What kind of love is this, anyway? I mean, honestly, it's a surprising kind of love, isn't it? Because we are often pretty unlovable people. We can be selfish, self-absorbed, self-promoting uncaring, unconcerned, unloving. And yet when God looks at us, he sees family. You would think that a perfect and holy God would have taken one look at us and wanted nothing to do with us, let alone calling us his children. But God calls us his family. Now this is my family. And uh, every time I look at them, As silly as they can be, I have to say my heart swells up with pride because of my deep love for them. I I would give my life for them. Well, Maybe not for the dog, but uh, you never know. He would give his life for me, I know that much. When God looks at us, his heart swells up with pride because of his deep love for us. When God sees us, John says he sees family. Because his great love has covered our sin. Now we know that 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 great love has a name, and we're going to be talking about him in just a second. But first, I want to go back uh, to the book of Exodus. Because God has a history of treating his undeserving people like family. Al read that great example for us from the book of Exodus, uh, where the people of Israel find themselves in slavery to the Egyptians. They are completely helpless. They're unable to offer God anything. They are completely undeserving of his love. But God makes them some astonishing promises. Did you notice all those, those first-person things? Did they strike you as they struck me as I was reading those? I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. And then God did just that. 
He sent this nervous, stuttering old man named Moses to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world. And God, through mighty acts of judgment, rescued his people and conquered the Egyptian army, the most powerful army in the world. He brought his people out of Egypt. He delivered them. He redeemed them with an outstretched arm. And he did all of this to take them to be his people, his family. God says, I will take you to be my people and I will be your God. Now, we've heard this a lot, but think about it. That's incredible. Why would God want Israel? This is amazing. And then, after 40 years of remarkable divine patience in the desert, God then gives to Israel an inheritance, just like a father gives to his children. God treats us like family, too, even though we, like Israel, are undeserving. When he found us, we were in bondage and slavery, not to Egyptian overlords, but to something much worse, to sin itself. Yet still, God calls us his family, his people, his flesh and blood. Somehow, John says, he calls us his children. And so that is what we are. It's not just a name, it is a reality. We are children of God. How did this happen? How did God show this surprising kind of love to us? Well, we know the answer to that, don't we? God's love is flesh and blood. God's love has covered our sin, and He has a name Jesus. Once again, God saved His people from slavery, but this time God didn't send a nervous, stuttering old man. He sent His own son as a baby boy to be born in the mud to walk in the trenches with us amidst the oppression of his people, to rescue us by dying for us. Here's how the author of Hebrews puts it. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one that has the power of death, that is, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to to lifelong slavery. Now, I didn't even have that passage in mind as I was putting this message together, that that God's love is flesh and blood, and and we had already selected the Exodus reading, and what an incredible thing that that passage connects the flesh and blood love of God through Jesus Christ with our being delivered from slavery. Because to save us from our bondage to sin, Jesus came in our flesh and blood. He literally got some skin in the game. In Christ, God's love is flesh and blood because Jesus is our human brother. In John's gospel, he says that Jesus came to his own amidst the people that he had helped to create, the children of his heavenly father, people that that Jesus considered to be his own family. But his own people did not receive him. Because we were a broken family, a family that's shattered by our sin with fractured relationships because of our rebellion against the Father. As far as we were concerned, we were not family anymore and, and we never could be again. But God was not satisfied with this. And so Jesus came in our flesh and blood to die for his flesh 
and blood, his family, his brothers and sisters, to make us his brothers and sisters. Because the reality is, in a way, Jesus was dying for something that we weren't yet. We were not God's family anymore until Jesus redeemed us and brought us back. And so in ancient times, God had had redeemed the people of Israel with an outstretched arm and, and great acts of judgment. But now God has redeemed his people with the outstretched arms of Jesus on the cross. The greatest act of judgment against our sin. Jesus sacrificed himself out of love for us. We're going to be talking more about that sacrifice next week. Today, we are focused on the profound truth that we are God's flesh and blood. A truth reflected in Hebrews where we continue reading, both the one who makes men holy, Jesus, and those who are made holy, us, are of the same family. So Jesus is not ashamed to call them Brothers, Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers, sisters, his family. John would go on in the prologue of his gospel to say that that by giving himself for us, Jesus would give us the right to become children of God. You know, nowadays it seems that people are are thinking that, that whatever they want Whatever they want to do, whatever they want to take, they have this inherent right to it. But the right to become God's children is not an inherent right at all. It's not at all a right that is owed to us. It is a right that is bestowed on us by the only one who has that right himself, our brother Jesus. He made us what he is, children of God. And John says that if we are children of God, that means that we are born of God. Now, Jesus spoke about this, being born of God, uh, to another nervous, stuttering old man named Nicodemus, one dark Judean night. He said to him rather famously that we must be born again of water and the Spirit. Now, at the time, Nicodemus didn't really have any idea what Jesus was talking about. but, But now, through the benefit of the rest of the Scriptures especially, we do. We know that Jesus was talking about the rebirth that is given to us as a gift in our baptism. You know, not a single one of us here chose to be born. It was a gift from our parents. In the same way, no one chooses to be reborn. It is a gift from our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. When you were baptized God worked in your heart this holy renaissance, this rebirth, making you completely new and bringing you into his family by the blood of Jesus. If you ever doubt that you're a child of God, just look back to your baptism. That is where God claims you as his own. And so in chapter 5 of 1 John, uh, John goes on to say, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. In other words, Jesus came to restore the holy fusion of, of the Spirit of God and the flesh of man by restoring the Spirit to us, that He lives within us. Once again, we are His temple. Jesus has restored love itself, love Himself to our flesh 
and blood by his death and resurrection as a human being and by our baptism in the name of the triune God. People say that blood is thicker than water, but God has used both to wash us and make us his family. Christ has washed you in the water of baptism, and today again he gives to you his own true flesh and blood, given to you for the forgiveness of your sins. This is a family meal where we join together to to celebrate the forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross and to receive it as it is applied to us once again today. And this meal behind me points us forward to the future that God has planned for his family. There's more to come. And so John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. And so like, a, like an engaged couple just eagerly waiting for their wedding, like parents who can't wait for their adopted child to, to finally be able to come and live with them, or like a military family just waiting for dad to come home, so we wait for the return of our flesh and blood, brother and Savior, who will come again and make us to be like him, body and soul, in an eternal flesh and blood resurrection from the dead. For now, Jesus has given us the command to love one another as family. Just as it does with Jesus, uh, flesh and blood takes on two meanings here. Uh, The first is that God has made us all family, brothers and sisters, flesh and blood. It also means that this involves loving, real, flesh and blood people. And I just finished reading this book called Love Does by Bob Goff. It's a very uh, proudly whimsical book. I think he uses the word caper at least three times per chapter. There's some really cool stuff in it. Uh, one of those really cool things is the introduction or the foreword uh, by Donald Miller, who you may have heard of, where he writes, We don't like to put hands and feet on love. When love is a theory, it's safe, it's free of risk. But love in the brain changes nothing. Love is too beautiful a concept to keep locked up behind a forehead like a prisoner. What he's trying to say is that love is not some ethereal concept that we uh, ponder and pontificate about. Love is something we do. Sometimes it gets messy, but uh, we love one another as family because God has loved us as family. Now, in the book itself, Bob Goff uh, writes that this flesh and blood kind of love that we're talking about today is like a sword without a handle. Because of that, sometimes we'll get cut when we pick it up. It's supposed to be close contact, though. Love is always that way. This flesh and blood sort of love is something we must do in every arena of our life, at our workplace, at our school, um, in our families at home, definitely. I think John has all of these in mind, but, but in this letter, he seems to be focused especially on what this love means in the church, among the family of believers. We jump ahead again to chapter 5. John says there, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Now, we've been talking about that. But then he says, And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. As the church, among those who have been born of the Father, we love one another as family. 
This means that we are willing to risk being wrong, that we're not going to hold ourselves back from loving others for fear of, of saying or doing the wrong thing. But even more so, it means that we are willing to risk being wronged. This is what family does, and, and both of these things will happen a lot. But in taking these risks, we see what kind of love the Father has given to us because Jesus risked being wronged for us, even though he was never wrong himself and it cost him his life. Although really, risk isn't even the right word because Jesus knew exactly what he was getting into. But he did it for us. Because that's what it took to love us and to restore love to us. So how do we go about following his example? Well, we follow his example when we come to one another with open minds and hearts not with nice Christian words on the outside and uh, this subconscious or, or secret agenda to keep the fight going on the inside. We follow his example when we refuse to run out on each other when things get tough. When we hang in there, sometimes taking beatings, sometimes having to ask for forgiveness when we're the ones who have given the beatings. If you have brothers or sisters at home, you know exactly what I'm talking about. We often you know, take swings at or, or claw at one another, but in the end, we are family. We are in this together. Sometimes we may not think that our family is going about things the, the way we want them to go. Like, like when a father takes a job and everybody has to move and, and the kids have to leave their friends behind. But we are all in this together. We go places together because we are a family Another picture the scriptures give us is that we are not only the family of Christ, we are the body of Christ. When one member of the body hurts, the rest of the members hurt as well. When one member of the family hurts, the rest of them hurt as well. Christ is the head of our body. God is the head of our family. So then, as Paul says in Galatians, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household faith. We are a house that is held together by a God who has chosen every single one of us to be loved and to love, to show the world that God's love is flesh and blood. You know, we, we don't really do a good job of this sometimes in the church. And as we think about our, ourselves individually, we might think that God really should have chosen someone much more qualified for this important task. Just like Moses felt that God really should have chosen someone a little less nervous and stuttering than him to go before Pharaoh. But as Bob Goff writes, Jesus continues to select broken and splattered people, not just as followers, but as participants. He called people like me who can't even figure out which end of a plastic bag to open his hands. He called people who trip every day his feet. God has called you and me, undeserving though we were, his family. So let's get uh, this verse back up here. Would you read this with me? See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. So we are. So go, live it out.
Jesus' name. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, love uh, sometimes seems so safe, so warm, so fuzzy. Uh, a great concept. Really hard to do in, uh, in actuality in our daily lives, especially when we're dealing with real people just like us who have faults and uh, annoying things about them just like us. Lord, help us to, to love people um, the way that you have. Help us to realize that love is flesh and blood, that you sent your son to, to come down and be a human being just like us. Help us to love our fellow human beings and uh, to share that love with those outside the church and especially to exhibit that love with, with those who, who already know you uh, so that everybody may see us uh, and come to know you. Lord, be with us uh, today, this week in our homes, as we go out to our jobs, as we go uh, to school, wherever this week may take us. Lord, go with us and uh, help us to, to live our life as, as a daily disciple of your son, Jesus. Bless us, Lord, with, uh, with continual love uh, that we should be called children of God. In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God which transcends our understanding guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord, now and forever. Amen.